Welcome to the LDA Podcast, a series by the Learning Disabilities Association of America. Our podcast is dedicated to exploring topics of interest to educators, individuals with learning disabilities, parents, and professionals to work towards our goal of creating a more equitable world. All right, welcome everyone to the LDA Podcast. I'm here today with Elaine Taylor-Klaus. She's a master certified coach, writer, speaker, mother, and co-founder of Impact Parents an organization that supports parents of complex kids. Elaine, thank you so much for being here today. It is truly a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So to start off, would you be able to give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, um, I am the mom in what I used to call an ADHD plus plus family of five, now six. And um, as a mom, when my kids were young, I was struggling with, with they had a lot of complex, what I call complex kids, complex issues, ADHD, anxiety, learning disabilities. And as they were, I often say diagnosed one by one, like dominoes. At some point I realized that um, maybe my husband couldn't be responsible for all of the neurology (laughs) that we were experiencing in our household. And that maybe something was making life more difficult for me than it needed to be. And so I was, I was, on my path at the at the time, I was planning to go back and get a PhD. So I was trying to go back to graduate school and I went and had a psychoeducational evaluation done for myself, just as I had done for my kids, um, because I was just curious whether that would allow me a different path in terms of taking the, the GRE, which was the reason I had not gone to graduate school up until then. And what I discovered at about 40 years old was that I had had a lifetime of undiagnosed attention and learning issues. And it was this huge light bulb went off and my whole life made sense. And um, after I, you know, spent a couple of weeks or months crying and (laughs) trying to integrate what was going on, it really changed my life and set me on a course to support other parents who were also struggling with raising complex kids because it doesn't have to be that hard and parents don't have to do it alone. And um, it was really... The, the impact of it was difficult at first and then has truly been transformational in my life. And, and I would say for my kids and, and now as the CEO of what was then Impact Parent, Impact ADHD is now Impact Parents, you know, we've had the opportunity to impact hundreds of thousands of lives. I mean, it's really quite amazing what that little piece did in terms of getting my diagnosis and how that had this cascading impact for the world. Kind of cool. Absolutely. Well, would you be able to expand a little bit on what changed for you as a result of that diagnosis? Well, you know, a number of things changed. Part of it was just when you understand yourself better, you can manage yourself better. And um, it it allowed me to, to put the stick down that I had been beating myself over the head with for all these years and to stop beating myself up for what I wasn't doing and to start acknowledging what I was doing. Uh, it gave me permission to approach a lot of things and expectations in my life differently. So you know, I often joke the very first thing I did when I was diagnosed was I hired a bookkeeper because I realized that there was a reason it was taking me so much time to just manage the family finances and books. And it, and it really didn't need to be that. It was just very difficult for me. And, um, and even though I have learning disabilities, I also I'm a writer but I I struggle with working memory. And so I really learned to play to my strengths and to do what I do well and to outsource the things that are really hard for me. 
And um, so it, it, I first I changed my immediate life. And I think it also really changed how I was in relationship with my kids and their learning issues because I had a whole different kind of compassion and ability to support them and problem solve with them and collaborate with them. When I realized that my daughter who was diagnosed with dyslexia, we know it's genetic, I realized it came from me. And even though it showed up differently for us, there are ways in which very similar, the way we process language, the way we hear language. And so I was able to understand what she was struggling with when I was able to see that I was struggling too. It wasn't that I was some kind of a failure. It's that there was a reason that it was hard for me. Right. So there's this common misconception that you can grow out of a learning disability mm -hmm. or that you know, you know, it isn't something for an adult to have. Um, so that's definitely not the case. But have you noticed, can a learning disability change over time? So that's a fabulous question. Um, I got into a disagreement with a neuropsychologist who did an assessment of one of my kids in late in high school and, and said, well, she's grown out of the dyslexia. And I went back and I said, no, and we're not going to, we're not going to, let's, let's have this conversation because you don't grow out of it. You learn to accommodate it. You learn to navigate it. You learn to manage it. When you're well remediated, you learn, like I have a kid who learned to read and learned to do reading comprehension. And, but that doesn't change how hard it is for us to hear language and how, how much more effort is required to read and process and, and, um, and how, how much went into fluency. And you know, that kid, fast forward, is now you know, in her mid-20s and in the middle of applying to medical school. So she's no slacker, right? Um, but she still has dyslexia. And so learning how to navigate writing, you know, 150 essays on secondary applications and, and getting the support she needs to do that is, is very real for her. That doesn't mean she, it went away. It means she still needs to find a new way to do things when life presents her with things that challenge her the way that her brain is wired. On the other hand, she's got this brilliant mind for, for math and science and, and I was laughing with her just last night because she can understand concepts and words. And I, she said something I could not understand. And I was laughing. I'm like, and you're the kid with dyslexia, right? She's like, yeah. And mom, I can even spell this one. <laughs> so, so she has this extraordinary capacity and, and in other areas, she still needs help. And I still need help. Like, I still need a proofreader. I still need, you know, no matter how much I write. It really helps to have somebody else go behind me and say, um, yeah, that's an I, not an A, <laughs> you know? Hey, absolutely. Well, and speaking of misconceptions, uh, that's probably one of the largest ones, but are there some other more common misconceptions that you've heard about adults with LD and ADHD that you want to clear up? So, so ADHD and LD, when you lump it together, that's a big category. So- mm -hmm. Um, I, can I separate those two Absolutely, and answer yeah. them separately? So when you're dealing with LD, I think LD is very misunderstood in adults. Um, it's extremely difficult to find a way to get a diagnosis as an adult. Um, the, there are not a lot of resources for remediating or supporting adults. 
Um, most of us as adults tend to create accommodations for ourselves in our lives. And so that may mean finding a job that's a good fit or, you know, as I say, working in a job where you have somebody that comes back behind you for the areas that you struggle. So with, with LD, I think most people manage it in an accommodated environment. And, and the misconception you know, if someone's struggling with reading or reading comprehension or language, um, that doesn't mean that there's not an innate intelligence there. That means they're struggling with the language. I mean, I think about it. I, we joke in my family, I have no acuity for, for geography at all. I can't remember where anything is, what they're called, whether I know. And, and if, unless I see it in print, the name doesn't click with me. And so, and even if I have seen it in print, I may not remember it because I struggle with both ADHD and LD. So I struggle with the working memory. Um, but that doesn't make me not intelligent. And yet sometimes I come across, I, I'm very careful because I could come across sounding ignorant because I don't remember the name of the, you know, the president or the, of that country or the name of, or, or I don't know where in the world that place is that someone's referencing. And so I think particularly with LD and, and with ADHD that impacts memory, um, there is a, a misconception that, that not holding information that you would expect an adult to know means that that adult is uneducated or, or ignorant or ill-informed. And it's not, for me, I understand concepts and themes and connections extraordinarily well really well-educated in emotional intelligence. But the details, yeah, not so much. I rely on other people for that. Um, so that's kind of the LD side. Moving into the ADD side or ADHD, there's that working memory piece, right? Um, which comes in both areas. But very similarly, there's this misconception in the world of ADHD that people who struggle with it are lazy or crazy. Um, or stupid, or or they don't care, or they're not motivated, or they're just not trying hard enough. Um, and the truth is, sometimes when you have some of these issues, just getting through a basic day, you're putting in so much more effort than the average American human, or the average human, um, that people don't really realize how hard it is just to go through a normal day, just to figure out what am I going to make for dinner and what do I need to get to do that? And what is, what, what do I have and what do I not have? And, you know, how do I get to the grocery store without forgetting what I was supposed to get? And that sounds like it should be so simple, but when people have ADHD or processing issues, some of the basic stuff in life can be really hard. And that's, it's bizarre because on the one hand, the basic stuff is life in life is hard, but then we tend to be really smart. Right, and we understand how to make linkages and connections and put things together in really complex ways. And then, you know, when you can't seem to like clean your kitchen, there's this disconnect that a lot of people don't understand. Absolutely, it almost sounds a little bit like what you were talking about before: is you find your strengths, but there are mm -hmm. still things that you need help with. Right, and if you can do that without judgment, if you can do mm -hmm. that and keep your self-esteem intact then you can be super successful, which is why we've seen so many unbelievably successful people with ADHD and LD. I mean, whether it's Will I Am or um, 
see, this is where I get the word Richard Branson, I think is his name, but I'm not sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like highly successful and, and they attribute a great part of their success to their LD or their ADHD. So on the, if, if you can do it without beating yourself up without shame, then you can really, um, create masterful things in the world. It's when we, when we get caught up in those messages of I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy and I don't deserve, or really you all, I mean, this was my story for years. You all think I'm smart, but really I'm stupid. You don't know the truth is that I'm really stupid because I had to work so much harder than everybody else. I didn't know. And so that's where I think we get, we can be really successful or we can really, um, we can internalize those negative messages and make it really hard for ourselves. Definitely. Well, and switching gears a little bit um, to more of like the workplace and getting a job, do you have any advice for adults with LD or ADHD who are currently looking for a job? You know, this is not my area of expertise, but I have definitely supported a lot of adults with these issues in the workplace and sometimes as parents, sometimes in their own issues, supporting them. Um, I do some executive coaching as well. Um, I'm a believer in transparency. I'm a believer in asking for what you need without shame and judgment, because when I can go to someone and say, you know, nobody's going to be able to write a better report than I am. And when I do that, I'm going to need a conference room or some quiet place to be able to focus. I believe that if we can do that without judgment of ourselves, that that kind of self-advocacy can be perceived in the workplace as, um, as a strength. That said, there is a lot of controversy about it in, in the uh, professional world, coaching world, uh, human resource world. A lot of people don't feel safe disclosing in the workplace. Um, there, you know, w- there is a protection under law for, for neurodiversity, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's always honored. Uh, you know, and it's, it's a privileged position for me to say, well, you don't want to work anywhere that doesn't want to accept you for your whole self. Like I, I get that that's the best of all ideal worlds. And sometimes that's not the case. Um, so I think it's workplace dependent. I think that there are, there is a distinction between what you disclose before you get a job and how you advocate for yourself once you get a job. And it's going to be different if you're in a corporate environment than if you're in a small business. Um, And most of all, I think that if you can play to your strengths and really celebrate what you're good at and and let that lead the invitation when you're applying for a position, then you're in a position to be able to say, and these are challenges I need some support with, or this is not a, a great area for me to take on something and to be able to navigate those conversations if you're really clear about and honest about your strengths. That doesn't mean you pretend there's nothing, you know, that there's no challenges, but, but I do think that transparency can be really helpful and we have to do it from a place of clarity and confidence um, and, and not demanding, but requesting. I mean, in, in coaching, we often talk about the design. Here's what you can count on me for. And this is what I'm asking for. So I had a client I worked with who that example was very specific. She was an adult with ADHD. She was manager level. 
And she went to her supervisor and said, exactly that example, you can count on me to deliver exactly what you need to do it efficiently, effectively. And I need sometimes to be able to close myself off and, you know, tune out the world so I can use my strength of hyper-focus to be able to deliver that. So I need you to help me create, find an environment. This is before COVID. Um, now people can just take a work day at home very often, but in those days they couldn't. So, so really designing, here's what you can count on me for. And this is the support I need to be as successful as you want me to be. I think could be Absolutely. really powerful. So again, switching gears here um, about parenting. How can parenting look different for a parent that has LD or ADHD? Well, so the short answer to that is a parenting can look differently in about a million different ways <laughs> um, because it depends on the LD or the ADHD. I think what I really want to touch on here, Lauren, is that um, oftentimes parents come to me and they say, I, how can I help my kid if I've got this myself? How can I possibly do this when I can barely get my own kitchen cleaned or get myself up and out the door? And the beauty of having these issues ourselves as parents, and, and at least half of these complex kids have at least one complex parent, right? Probably more, often two complex parents. The beauty is that we can be in it together. We can be collaborative. We, we don't have to pretend to our kids that we know everything and we've got it all figured out. We can say to our kids, okay, you're good at this and I'm good at this. Let's work together and figure out how let's be a team and, and solve it. Or I'm really working on this issue. I know you are too. Let's, let's hold each other accountable or let's support each other on this. When we come to our kids transparently, this seems to be a theme for today, right? And, and we say, hey, I'm human and I'm struggling with this too. Not to put our stuff on our kids, not as a weight, but as an acknowledgement, as in a way of saying, and so I'm, I'm real and I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to take responsibility for them. And, and so are you and you're human. And so we're going to create an environment that makes it okay to make mistakes and we're going to learn with each other and we're going to support each other and collaborate. And, and I think it can be, I think, I think it can be more powerful for kids when their parent can really understand what they're dealing with, even if it shows up differently or one has LD and one has ADHD. I remember when one of my kids was diagnosed and we, by that point, I don't really remember the details, as I've said before, that's not my thing, but um, there was already a lot of neurological stuff identified in the house. And my young, my middle kid was diagnosed with dyslexia and and she, and when I told her, like, now we understand how your brain works. And after she cried and she said, mommy, I've been trying so hard. And it was just heartbreaking. Um, after that, she kind of said, oh, great. Now I'm not left out. There was this kind of sense, a sense for her that, well, now she belonged because everybody else in the family was kind of quirky. And now she was quirky too. And, and it's like, it all made sense in a way. Um, that she belonged differently. And so I think our kids, when our kids are struggling with a lot of these issues, they feel so different and they feel so out of sorts. And so when they can see that we have them too, it gives them a sense of belonging and connection that's really, really important. 
Absolutely. And also to see that, you know, you're here, you've made it this far and they can too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but, but I want to reiterate that piece of you can be a successful, accomplished adult and not get it all right. And that's really important for our kids to see that adulting doesn't mean being perfect and getting it all right or knowing exactly what to do. Adulting means I can figure it out. I can take responsibility for my mistakes and I can figure it out and make it right. That's what it is to really be an adult. Absolutely. Well, would you be able to tell us a little bit um, about Impact Parents and anything that you're currently working on? Oh, yeah. I, I love to do that. So um, Impact Parents is an, it's an online resource for parents of what we call complex kids. So kids who struggle with life, learning, behavior of any kind. And what we've learned is that when we support parents and help parents understand these kids well enough to help manage them, that's what it takes for, for parents to learn to create an environment at home where they can help their kids understand themselves and want to manage themselves. So that's our job as parents is to understand these kids well enough to help them learn to manage themselves so that they can want to manage themselves and take ownership of their lives. And so we do that from a coaching framework. What happened when I became a coach and when my partner, Diane, became a coach, business partner, we both discovered that we became much, much better parents and it wasn't rocket science. We could teach this. So the secret of what we do is we actually teach coaching skills to parents and professionals. Um, so often professionals who are therapists or educational therapists or tutors or, or teachers, we, we bring the basic skills of coaching and the basic concepts of coaching, which is a, a very empowerment-based method or approach to, to cha creating change. And so we teach coaching skills and then we coach people in applying those skills so that they can really empower these amazing kids. The idea here is that complex kids have this have really extraordinary capacity. They tend to be really amazing in certain arenas. And if we can play to those strengths and cultivate them, we can help them reach their full potential instead of only focusing on what they don't do well. And that doesn't mean we don't remediate. That doesn't mean we don't teach a dyslexic kid to read. But as I said, you know, my dyslexic kid can read, but man, can she do math and science, right? So that's where we really want to wanted to focus with her when she was younger. So in Impact Parents, we do a combination of training, coaching, and support. And we have always been virtual. We've done it online and on the phone since 2011. And we have um, a whole cadre of coaches who are certified and trained and then tr certified and trained by us to work with parents and professionals. Um, we have trained uh, certified trainers who teach our sanity school curriculum all over the world because sanity school is a behavior training program for parents and, and teachers. Um, and the most exciting thing we've got going because it's now September of 2022 is in October of 2022, we're going to be delivering our sanity school training program for parents in Spanish. And we've had a whole group of, of coaches from around the world, some, one in Mexico, one in Spain, one in Canada, one in Alaska, um, working together to create a neutral Spanish so that we can deliver it in an in a Espanol para todos for everyone. 
And, um, and the book, my book, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids is also coming out in Spanish this fall. So for the first time ever, we're gonna be able to, to begin to serve the Latin community in addition to the English speaking community all over the world in a way that they can all relate to the dialect and the language that's being used. So I am like super, super excited that this has come together. And it's been, um, part of this is through a grant um, from uh, a, a small nonprofit in Chicago uh, that we've been working with to try to make it happen called the Balance Project. And all they do is raise money and pay for mental health support services uh, for families in need. So this has been a, a bit of a labor of love and a great collaboration. And I'm super excited. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, is there any last notes that you wanted to end on? Um, I think what I want to share is whether you're listening, whatever hat you're wearing as a listener, whether you're a parent or you're a provider or um, you're an executive or an adult with your own complex issues, that one, there's, there's no shame in having attention and learning issues. In fact, it's kind of what makes us interesting, you know? Um, and it's really, really essential to ask for help you're not alone, even though it feels like you are. And even though it feels like whatever is happening in your office or your classroom or your home is just nobody else in the world could understand. There are other people in the world that are dealing with very similar things to what you're dealing with. And there are, there are supports and structures that can really help you manage it. And from our framework, the coach approach, we have found to be magic in helping change the dynamic in a home, changing the way that, that people communicate in the home and in the classroom. Um, and we have an educational therapist who uses it a lot in her work is with students. So it, it, it applies in a lot of ways because coaching is about empowerment. It's about helping people reach their full potential. And so I guess the things I wanna leave people with is you're not alone. You could do this, ask for help. There's no shame in that. And, and check into the coach approach and explore some of, of what we've got. A lot of what we offer, most of what we offer on, the, on our website is free. And, and begin to think about a different way of, of empowering these amazing kids because they do have extraordinary potential and they need you to, to meet them where they are to help them get there. And that's what we help parents do. Absolutely. Well, Lane, thank you so much for being here today. We had a great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. And, and thanks for the work that you do. I, I, we've been involved with LDA in different ways, as I mentioned to you, for many, many years. It's a super important organization. And so I'm really grateful to be part of this. Thank you for listening to the LDA podcast. To learn more about LDA and to get valuable resources and support, visit ldaamerica.org.